Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Continuing in our study about spiritual warfare, we come to a subject this morning that is uncomfortable. Sin is never comfortable, those who are following in the Lord's footsteps, but I realize that this morning... It is a very uncomfortable subject, but lucky for you, you've hired me to comfort the afflicted, but also to afflict the comfortable, as Pastor Joe Powell used to say all the time. So you're in luck. So if you are afflicted today, I'll be right there to help you. And if you're comfortable, I plan to make you uncomfortable, all right? But having saying that, Daniel Hembach has said this about spiritual warfare. He says, the devil is not a creator. The devil is not a creator. He is very good at perverting things. But he never creates new material. He never creates new material. He can only use God's material. Does that make any sense to any of you? The devil has not changed anything since day one. Sin is always sin, and sin will be sin, and sin will be sin, and sin will be sin. It never changes. Just like God never changes. So when God says, come to me, and I will give you rest, that's exactly what he's going to do. When the devil says, I seek to destroy you, that's what he is in the business of, destroying you. Now I want to begin this morning by reminding us how the Bible says that we are at war daily with Satan and his demons, as we read in Ephesians chapter 6. The devil is real. His demons are real. His schemes are real. And the war is real. And much of the war is fought within the realm of the mind, knowledge, thought, and reason. So we must become aware of Satan's tactics so that we will know how to better defend ourselves. The devil could be accurately called a pervert, for one of his schemes is perversion. To pervert something means to lead astray morally, to turn away from the right course, and to turn to an improper use, to misconstrue or misinterpret and distort. Okay? Daniel Himbach defines evil as a perversion, stating how it is the deformity of good things and only exists when things God made perfectly good, they become bent, they become twisted, crushed, 
or damaged compared to what they really should be. So in saying that, he's basically saying that the devil does not create anything that God hasn't already created. The devil likes to twist our minds and twist our mindset to get across what he wants us to think, to get across what he wants us to believe. But God said that I've already told you. I've already laid out my plan for you. There's no need to misinterpret this. The devil is the great master of perversion. And through perversion, he can render believers powerless and helpless. He realizes that if he takes something that God created for good and twists it until it is completely unrecognizable and even causes it to look like something evil, that he can cheat us out of what God wanted us to have. He knows that if we can make us afraid of something that God gave for our defense, that we will chuck our spiritual weapon and run. And then, of course, that makes us vulnerable to his tactics. In our message this morning, we're going to be made aware of the devil's perversion scheme. We're going to look at a few examples of some things that he has twisted. And we're going to be shown how to reclaim the weapons and the freedoms that have been stolen from us. First way we think about this is how the devil has perverted the ways of God. In one of the local churches, at the time, the beloved Apostle John, Diotrephes was busy frustrating the efforts of traveling ministers of the gospel. He refused to allow them into the church and even went as far as telling them and expelling them for those who cared so much for ministers out of the church of God. That was his main scheme. He wasn't attacking the weak. He was attacking the strong. And in that, there's something that creeps in. And we're very, very aware of what this is. When that thing creeps in, it destroys. I'm talking about pride. I'm talking about pride. Pride can lead a person to pervert the grace of God. And Diotrephes loved to be the first in to maintain his position of the preeminence he discredited others by spreading malicious words about them. And when God, by his grace, puts us in positions of leadership or authority, such privilege should not be abused. The church belongs to God and Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. All powers in the church are subject to Jesus. Ephesians 5, 23 and 24. You will not be a hindrance to the work of God in Jesus' name. Understand that. 
Because when we become a hindrance, we are removed. Because God's will be done. And in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. 1 Peter chapter 5. You see, God gives grace to those who humble themselves before him, but takes away the grace of the proud and even opposes them. People who frustrate and pervert God's grace end up being frustrated themselves. They become reprobates. Titus 1.16 says, Concerning them, they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work retrobate. Are you in the church of God and working against the advancement of the gospel? And I will not see a hand raised because that's not something that we're readily willing to admit. Am I right? Are you here preventing the work of God being done? What sin in your life prevents you having that relationship with God? What prevents you from being God's vessel to spread the gospel? Why aren't we all considered kingdom workers? We are. But we've let the devil come in and twist things, pervert things, to the point where we believe those things, that we allow the devil to infiltrate areas that should be strongholds in our lives. You see, our primary example of the devil's perversion can be observed in how Satan attempted to rob Paul and Barnabas of their opportunity to witness to the preconsul of Paphos. We read this in chapter 13 in the book of Acts. You can reference that. Acts chapter 13, verses 6 through 10, which is what we're going to be discussing this morning. Well, it says this. You can turn there. Acts chapter 13, verses 6 through 10. And it says this. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the preconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And he said, O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud. 
You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? The Apostle Paul, seen here as Saul, along with Barnabas, were separated for the work of the Holy Spirit and commissioned for ministry. And here we find them working on the island of Paphos, and they they found on the island this proconsul or governor of the province. And by the name of Sergius Paulus, and he was willing to hear them preach the word of God. However, there was an evil sorcerer there named Elymas who spoke against Paul and Barnabas and tried to hinder their work and distract the council from their message. It's no different today. We are constantly being attacked by the wiles of the devil. It don't matter if you're in a leadership position, leading a Bible study, no matter where you are at, you will be attacked. Now, I've said earlier that the devil likes to attack those who are strong. So consider that a compliment from the devil. If you feel like you're being attacked, good. I say, bring it on. Bring it on. But you see, Paul declared to this sorcerer, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will not you cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now, did you catch what Paul said here? Paul said he called Elymas a son of the devil. And the reason why here is because he was full of all that deceit and all fraud. An enemy of all righteousness. And he perverted the straight ways of the Lord. Paul mentioned many of the methods whereby Satan weakens our faith. He deceives. He commits fraud. And he perverts. The devil deceives people by perverting the good things of God. In Genesis, we read how God created everything in the earth. And he said that it was all what? Good. But Satan knows how to take that good and make it into something bad. The devil cannot create anything new. All he can do is copy what God has made. Any of you ever copy someone? Like on a test? Maybe when we were in school? Then you find out that person wasn't too smart? I've done that. Learned my lesson. But the devil does not create anything new. He's piggybacking off what God has already created. It's kind of laughable if you think about it. It's laughable. In John 8:44, Jesus said of the devil, "He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it." 
The devil is called the father of lies because he seeks to twist, to twist and lie and pervert the good things of God. And as I've already said, the devil cannot create anything new. And I want to share a modern day example of how the devil is attempting, notice I say attempting, to play the role of creator and distort the truth in a process that geneticists call cloning. It was very popular several years ago when we heard about this cloning thing, right? And if you haven't, go back in time, go back in time, go back to news articles that talked about it. It's all the world wanted to talk about. Oh, they're going to clone humans. Oh, are they going to clone this and that? But geneticists are able to utilize a host cell from a selected plant or animal, insert some manipulated genes or DNA, and rep or reproduce a clone of the original. And when the topic of cloning is discussed in the media, newscasters would often describe this process as creating a, a new plant or animal. And this description is a misnomer because geneticists are not really creating. Because they are utilizing pre-existing material in their experiments. So to truly create, they would have had to make everything completely from scratch. And by making matter out of thin air. And all too often, believers ascribe more power to Satan than he really has. He is like the geneticist who can only utilize what God has already created. The devil himself is a created being, having served the Lord in heaven before his rebellion and eviction. See, the only thing of which Satan is capable is taking God's creation and perverting it into something else and something lesser. It's never better. It's never as good. It's always lesser. Example one. False Christs. Now there are a few scriptural examples of some things that God created to be good. But the devil obviously tried to pervert this. And the first example pertains to Jesus Christ. The sorcerer had two names, Bar-Jesus and Elamas, and the New Bible Dictionary confirms that these two individuals are one and the same. Bar-Jesus means son of Joshua, and Elamas is derived from a word possibly meaning sage or a wise man. And the meaning of this sorcerer's name is important in understanding how Satan works to pervert the truth about Jesus. And the name in particular is a deception, as it means son of Joshua. In Hebrew, the name Joshua means salvation. Therefore, the name of Jesus also means salvation. Matthew 1.21 says of Christ, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
And in light of this information, we can see that the name Bar-Jesus actually means son of salvation. So Bar-Jesus was trying to copy Jesus Christ and deceive people into believing this too was salvation in order to validate himself and his false teachings. So Elmas wanted to copy Jesus, yet he could never compare. For Jesus made the most good, excuse my grammar, but he made the most good and he was made the best of all God's creation. In fact, I don't even think you can say that Jesus was made or created because he is the pre-existent one. The Bible teaches that Jesus was sinless and remained sinless throughout his entire life. Jesus was perfect. Yet Satan tries to copy Jesus or pretends to be him in order to make Christ look bad. The devil hopes that people will either be deceived into following false teachings and strange doctrine or that people will be turned off by the abuse of an imposter and turn away from the faith altogether. In Matthew 24, 23, Jesus cautioned, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. In Revelation, John portrayed how in the last days the Antichrist will mimic Jesus and he will present himself as a lamb who was healed of a deadly wound. Similar to Christ, the Lamb of God who died from the deadly wound of the cross and was resurrected. The devil can actually assist false prophets and false Christ in replicating the miracles of God. As an example, consider the sorcerers or uh, the days of Pharaoh. We read in Exodus chapter 7 verses 8 through 12 that then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves... Then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became the serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So they were the magicians of Egypt. And they also did in like manner with the enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But let's not forget the best line, which is in verse 12. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Amen? The devil will assist false prophets and false Christ in replicating the miracles of God, which in his mind would cause people to believe that whoever should perform such miracles are from God. And then he will accompany these miracles with false teachings. So if you ever encounter someone performing amazing signs and 
while simultaneously teaching things contrary to the Bible? Or you simply hear someone teaching false doctrine? Then please realize that you are witnessing a demonic counterfeit and a false prophet. We know where truth lies. It lies within our relationship to Christ. It lies within the maker of all things, the creator of all things. And he does not pervert things. He lays it out for us. The Apostle John cautioned, Many false prophets have gone out into the world, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. John called these false prophets Antichrists, or those who oppose the truth of Christ. And they are sons and daughters of the devil. The second example that we have of this is sexual relations. Another good thing of God that Satan tries to distort is sexual relations. And this is where the term perversion rings a bell for many people. Remember, perversion is when something is used in an unnatural manner. The Bible clearly teaches how the natural order and intended manner of these relationships should be experienced between a man and a woman within the institute of marriage. Why is this even a question? Why is it being taught the other way? Is because we have allowed the devil to pervert these things. And people have allowed the devil to twist the truth. If we, as God's people, believe the Bible to be wholly true, why do we make excuses for this? Why do we turn the other cheek when we see these situations? God has called us to stand firm, to be bold. And I realize that saying that in today's age is not easy. I'm well aware of that. But it has been commanded to us to be bold, to be strong, to be so overwhelmed with our convictions that we fight that fight. And ladies and gentlemen, we are losing that fight. We can point to a number of things that are happening currently in society, in other countries, and even in our own backyards that is leading to the destruction of this earth, the second coming of Christ. Oh, believe me, I get calls every, almost every day, especially with the situation in Israel. Understand this. Should we worry? Should we fret? Or should we be so enveloped in our relationship to Christ that no matter what comes our way, whatever calamity, whatever situation or dire thing that comes our way, should it detract us from what we're called here to do? 
No. So where do we draw our strength? We draw our strength from God. But in this example, sexual relations, it has been one of the biggest downfalls of man. The statistics do not lie. They do not lie. The Apostle Paul described this terrible perversion in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. He said, God gave them up to uncleanness in their lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature or the devil rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to be vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. God created these relations for the marital relationship between a man and a woman. And any other use than that is perverted, distorted, and sinful including adultery, premarital sex, homosexuality. When Paul stated that they left the natural use of their bodies, he meant they did what was unintended by the Lord. They twisted a good thing of God and served the creature, or they served the devil instead. Example three that I see, and we talked about this in the last sermon series, he taxed spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts that we possess. Because spiritual gifts are something else which Satan has attempted to destroy through his perversion. God said that he allotted his people with gifts of the Spirit to use in ministry for the profit of who? All. The profit for all. Among these gifts are some of the Controversial things such as healing, prophecy, and tongues. However, the primary reason why these things have become so highly debated is because they have been abused so frequently. And this was a problem that even the Apostle Paul dealt with in his time. For he said that there were some people who prided themselves in their particular spiritual gifts and felt they were better than others or more spiritual than others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he advised believers to be certain that if you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church, not for the edification of oneself. People were even using their spiritual gifts inappropriately, Frightening those who were lacking understanding. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said in reference to the practice of tongues, If the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say they are out of their mind? Funny story. Well, I don't know if it's funny. I thought it was funny. The first time we attended church here, Pastor Gary 
was speaking about demons. And he was speaking about exorcism. And we sat in the back. We thought, wow, we came at the right time. This ought to be fun. This ought to be interesting. And it was. It was interesting. But those who are new coming in, they hear things like this. It might shock them, right? Because they don't have the understanding. But that's what the devil wants. He wants to twist things. To get us to not see the truth. To not see the light. And in Mark's version of the Great Commission, Jesus said that those who believe in him will be able to cast out demons, speak in tongues, and even get snake bitten and survive without harm. We've seen this quite often, right? Preachers with their snakes. We know that they're trying to prove a point. But quite often the point is perverted, isn't it? There are Christians who see these abuses as well and therefore become disillusioned to the use of spiritual gifts. And as a result, they shun any talk about spiritual gifts and frown on the practice of spiritual gifts. Once again, the devil has taken a good thing of God and distorted it through abuse until God's people are completely afraid of it. Completely afraid of it. But we can be redeemed through privilege. And I could provide numerous other examples of how the devil has perverted the good things of God. However, I believe we probably understand the concept by now. And I want to encourage each of us to begin exercising our spiritual understanding by identifying some of the things the devil has perverted so we can begin taking back what the devil has stolen. Satan has sought to rob us of our abundant life and take away our privileges. Allow me to provide an example of how our privileges have become lost. Suppose you need to call in sick for your job. For years, the policy and the privilege has been very simple. You need to verbally call your boss and say, I can't make it in today, right? And then tell him verbally that you need to take the day off because you're sick. Or maybe you <coughs> cough over the phone. Say, yeah, I don't feel very good. The system worked great until... Some employees began using the day for fishing, shopping, when they weren't really sick at all. And when the boss found out, he instigated a new policy that a person could not take off unless he or she went through the hassle of what? Obtaining a doctor's note, right? Our privileges get taken away or stolen when someone else messes things up. The abuse results in new rules and new regulations being enforced that either inhibit or prohibit certain freedoms. The devil has messed things up pretty badly. And thus, many of our privileges and freedoms have been taken away. We need to identify what the devil has stolen and take it back. Amen? We need to take it back. We need to redeem what 
the devil has perverted. Did you know that Jesus has actually given us authority in his name over the devil? In Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And in Romans 16, verse 20, Paul said, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. By the authority of Christ, we can take back from the enemy what rightfully belongs to us according to God's word. The indwelling Holy Spirit will provide us with the power, will provide us with the authority, and ability to redeem things for the Lord's good purpose. For example, the Bible says that we can redeem time, stating in Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And in Colossians 4.5, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. We must not only redeem the time, but we need to reclaim everything we possibly can for the Lord and his kingdom. Amen? We should redeem whatever God says in his word is good. So, how much is that? Well, the answer is pretty much everything. Everything. In Genesis 1.31, God said that everything he created is good. So once again, I encourage you to begin exercising your spiritual understanding by identifying some of those things that the devil has perverted and stolen. And then begin using your spiritual authority in Christ to take it back. To take it back. In closing, we need to know that our righteousness or our right standing before God is a prime example of something the devil has stolen that must be redeemed. Mankind was created in the image and likeness of God, being blessed and free from sin. The devil stole everything when he tricked Adam and Eve into partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil against God's command. And this was the first sin in human history. And because of sin, mankind was evicted from the garden, never to live in freedom from death again. And that is until Jesus Christ atoned for that sin by his death on the cross. You see, there's one thing we can never redeem on our own. There is one thing we can never buy back. And that is our eternal security, our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus Christ, through his grace, redeemed us and bought back our righteousness. And that is something that only he could do. Consider what the Bible says 
about the redeeming power of Jesus. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Galatians 3.13 For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Revelation 5.9 And Jesus Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Titus 2.13 and 14 Jesus Christ is the only redeemer of a person's soul. So the question becomes, is he your redeemer? Is he your redeemer? Jesus redeemed mankind from the penalty of sin by dying on the cross. Being punished in our place. And it was through his shed blood that we have been rescued. And our status before God has been renewed. If we have confessed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then our standing before God presently as it was for Adam and Eve in the garden. So we now have garden status again. And we are now seen as the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus reclaimed what the devil stole from us. He redeemed what Satan tried to, re to destroy by restoring our righteousness or our right standing before God. Every sin will be forgiven. He will come into your life radically, dramatically, and eternally change your heart. He will put his spirit in you. And he will not only change you, but he will empower you. And then when time comes to go to heaven, and when you die or when Jesus comes, he'll take you to heaven to be with him for eternity. And if the worst happens in America, if God is consistent with us as he was with Sodom, and if he spares our lives... We want to be the ones helping others get saved. I want to pull drowning people to shore, not be in survival mode myself. What about you? Are you in survivor mode? Or are we actively being called by God to save those from drowning? The analogy I use all the time is getting people off the sinking ship, as many as we can. The, si the, the ship is sinking. It is sinking. And there's no stopping it. But where we stand with God can be changed. In one likeness or the other. We cannot pervert the truth. And the way to receive this redemption and be restored into fellowship with God is to admit that sin. Believe that Jesus is God's son who died for your sins on that cross and rose victorious over sin and death. And confess Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We thank God for his church, because the gates of hell shall not prevail over the church. We thank God for leaders that are upholding the doctrine of Christ and moving the church forward. The Lord will bless their labor of love to the body of Christ. And so we must remember this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. These are our marching orders as followers of Christ. Who's ready to stand? Who's ready to be bold? And who's ready to take those twisted truths and lay them straight through our conviction, through our foundation that we have knowing in our relationship to Jesus Christ? And if you don't have that relationship to Christ, do not leave here this morning without the understanding of what that means. Because time is fleeting. Time is escaping us. And we don't know what lies ahead other than the fact that we know that those who believe can claim victory. Victory through our relationship in Christ. Amen? Dave, come. As we go into this week into our sphere of influence, May we not allow the enemy, thank you, to pervert the most powerful weapon we have, and that is our testimony. What Jesus Christ has done, our life before Christ, our life after Christ has come into it. No one can take that away, but God can use that to change other lives as well. Let's stand together and go into this week thanking God. Praise God. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We pray that you will guide us, that you will be with us, that when we see these opportunities to lay things straight, that you will empower us through the indwelling Holy Spirit, that you will set the truth free, and those who are desperately seeking you will find you through us, through friends, through neighbors. Lord, we are on a sinking ship, but Lord, you've called to your people. And you called for all people to come to you to find rest. Lord, I pray that we don't rest until we've reached those. Place those people in our lives, Lord, that we can be an example to them. Lord, for the things that we pervert ourselves in our own sin, I pray that you will rid us of that. 
that you will be the indwelling spirit that is shown to others. And Lord, when it's all said and done, we give you the glory. We love you and thank you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.